Hi everyone and welcome to episode 24 of the Therapeutic Rainbow. This episode is a very special one to me because the person we're interviewing is not only a clinical psychologist but also my best friend. So welcome Siobhan Duke and thank you very much for coming on the podcast. You're very welcome. I'm very excited to be here Tash. So do you want to tell us all about what you do and what your job involves? Yeah, so um, I'm Siobhan Duke and I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been a clinical psychologist for about eight and a half years now. And for the last seven and a half years, I've worked with adults with learning disabilities. So that's working as part of the NHS in a community team, in a multidisciplinary team, which just means that I work with lots of other professionals like nurses, um, OTs you've had on the podcast, I know, speech and language therapists, psychiatrists, and physiotherapists as well. And we all work together to try to um, improve adult with learning disabilities quality of life in different ways. So how has kind of lockdown then affected your work? Have you obviously been all online? Yes. (laughs) Yep. So um, I I had the first week of lockdown on annual leave. So um, I left on and the building closed the next day. And then overnight, we all had to be working from home. And so um, thank goodness for Microsoft Teams and laptops. And yeah, we've we've been online ever since. We've not been back to the office. So then we've had, um, I've had therapy sessions on the telephone or video calls with clients. I've seen families on, uh, teams I've seen staff teams that I work with in supported living um, services on teams and we meet as a, a team for our you know weekly team meetings on teams as well so um, and we, we, we have been doing a lot of I've been trying to lead on a lot of the well-being stuff for our staff team as well but um, yeah it was uh, it's been quite the learning experience but um, Actually, it's gone better than I would ever have anticipated um, a year ago. If you'd have said that this would have worked, yeah. I would be quite surprised. But actually, we've we've still been able to, in psychology at least, do mm, the majority of our our job. There's probably about seventy five percent that we're doing, and the other stuff is <laughs> is a bit more tricky. Yeah, and have you noticed kind of referrals have got busier? Has the team kind of the need for it being more or has it got less? Um, I think we have definitely been busier. So um, before lockdown, we used to do a lot of traveling. We would see people in their own homes. And so a lot of our time would be going from our office out to people's homes. So I thought like, wow, I'm going to get loads of time back because I'm not doing all this driving, like maybe six, eight hours a week driving. Um, (laughs) And it's our days are completely full and um, I think um, definitely there is more need we, we at the very beginning we had to make hospital passports for everybody um, on our caseloads because uh, people with learning disabilities often um, have unequal access to healthcare yeah. because they can't fully communicate or fully express their needs and the people who support them most you know, it was hard to be able to go into a hospital with the people that you needed to be there for, for lots of people, including yeah. people playing cities. And just over the last decade and a half, um, kind of society has been 
realizing that we need to do better because people with learning disabilities get overlooked and um, so we definitely had to step up at the beginning advocating for people and then yeah people are really struggling some people I know literally have not left their house since the since March yeah. um, because they're clinically extremely vulnerable and and everybody with a learning disability counts as being having an underlying health condition so making you more at risk um lots of the people that we work with have down syndrome which counts now as ex- clinically extremely vulnerable um and lots of our clients because of a, a lot of the time it's a genetic reason why you have a learning disability and that might also have other impacts on your physical health as well yeah. so um there's yeah so the actual answer is yes <laughs> and i guess that will affect their mental health and their mental well-being if they're used to seeing people more they're used to kind of potentially going out and now they've almost kind of been locked in their house so what do you think that's going to do to society going forward um i i i i agree with a lot of people what a lot of people have been saying in terms of a mental health pandemic i i don't even think it's after this i think we're already in it for a lot of people um so a lot of the people i work with a lot of our coping strategies um aren't cognitive they're more behavioral in terms of things you do yeah thinking your way out of problems and it's really hard to do those things it would be going for a walk going to the shops going to day centers seeing your friends joining in activities you know previously a, a lot a big push would be about getting people to do things that would make them happy yeah so that's what our occupational therapists do a lot of meaningful activity work quite closely with them and we, we tailor it we make it super individual it's tailored to that person's needs and, and interests but yeah a lot of people have been struggling we've seen um a lot of uh, an increase in kind of behavior that challenges so people using their behavior to kind of communicate their frustrations at being stuck inside um and uh, because um a lot of people live in supported living that means that you um have your own tenancy and then there's a staff team there to look after you in terms of perhaps your personal care needs getting washed getting dressed cooking cleaning going out and about as well um a lot of them had covid positive tests or covid positive symptoms and so you have this huge change and suddenly they're having to use a lot of agency disrupt you know we know you know what that means to us a disruption in our routine disruption in the people who take care of us people who knew us really really well and knew us inside out suddenly aren't there and people were learning this busy level of understanding of what coronavirus is and the impacts of it really really varies uh, as well so uh, understanding why everybody who normally helps you is suddenly not there and why you suddenly can't see your friends and why you suddenly can't see your family is really, really hard. It's, it's Yeah, because I know just as us as friends and us as kind of people in this world, we struggled not being able to kind of see each other. Like we were used to seeing each other weekly, if not fortnightly. And I know what that's done to my own mental health and I don't have all those underlying conditions. So I think with all of that it must be even more complicated to kind of work our way out and see and I guess that thinking just about that behavior is communication I think that's quite similar 
to what children are showing us as well and what actually their behaviours might be trying to communicate. Would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. So when you, actually for all of us, um, for children and adults alike, our behaviour kind of leaks through um, and, and we, are in, we communicate things. Um, how many times have we as adults said, I'm fine and you're putting, you're unloading the dishwasher in the noisiest way possible because you're not fine, but your, yeah. your behaviour leaks and it, you're communicating things all the time. And yeah, I, it's a, a very similar I, I see it with my my daughter kind of it's very helpful being able to unpick things um for her but also it kind of relates to um my 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 other relationships as well as well as directly at my at my work as well so would you say that when we're noticing these behaviors we should be looking at kind of those underlying messages that people children adults friends partners are trying to show us Absolutely. There's um, usually um, uh, a few different underlying reasons why we might be using our behaviour as communication. Um, usually it's because it's we're, we're doing it because it's the most helpful way to communicate at that time. We perhaps don't quite have, we can't quite put the words to it or we don't know the words. Or we can't quite read our emotions but usually there's, there's kind of four main reasons that we have um, in, when we're thinking of like behavioral psychology. Um, it's avoidance or escape. You don't want to do something. So you're trying to get out of that situation, but perhaps you can't quite say that you don't want to, to do it. Um, well, that's a regular thing in my household. Absolutely right. Tid tidy up time at the end of the day. You don't want to do it because you know what happens next. You go to bed and you don't get to see mummy and daddy or whoever your thoughts are anymore uh, because you've got to go to sleep but uh, you don't want to do it because you, you know what's going to happen yeah. uh, next um you or, or perhaps you want something you want something tangible so you want a physical uh object um you might want your your favorite doll um or um you might want a drink <laughs> you might be hungry um you might want something over there and on the other side of the room, but perhaps you don't have the physical ability to get there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, thinking about kind of crawling, crawling children um, to adults with learning disability and physical disability. If you can't get to what it is that you want, you're super reliant on other people. If you don't have the language to tell people yeah. on that thing over there, then you've got to use your behavior to, to let people know. You, there's no other option available to you. And I guess that's where the word kind of hangry comes from. I know or mm. only earlier, Anya was going off and I was like, but what's wrong? And she's like, well, Holly got this thing after breakfast. And I was like, so are you trying to tell me that you're hungry? She's like, well, yeah. I was like, well, why didn't you just tell me? <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's it like the stuff inside our tummies is really hard to know sometimes. Yeah. We don't quite understand. So until somebody says it for us, you go, Oh yeah, that is how I'm feeling. Yeah. I think that's you know it's so helpful all that kind of labeling feelings um, that um, I know you've spoken about before, but kind of externalizing and, and saying it out loud for other people. It seems to me that you're feeling sad or upset or worried or angry, frustrated, annoyed. 
um because sometimes we don't know until somebody helps us kind of try to stick a pin in it for us um and um at the and at the moment kind of in terms of things that we might want it's it's also kind of our basic needs as well um particularly in, in this pandemic you know i think you know we're, we're 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 very privileged people that we've got a roof over our head and food in our fridge and um the lights are on <laughs> but a lot of people because they've been furloughed or there's no money coming in don't don't have those basic needs met you know for children and adults living in those situations that's really hard when you when you can't get those things that you want because or need I should say yeah. because they're they're not there um you know I really um I think it is really important all the work that is is happening in terms of uh, school children and school dinners and um uh, you know the supermarkets working with the the food um charities in terms of not wasting surplus or you know wonky veg and, and all of this what because if you're hungry and there's no food in the fridge or you've got to make that food really last then that's that's a, a really difficult situation that absolutely parent out out of that that's yeah. really hard and it just kind of as said spirals into other things if you're hungry then got or if you're hungry then you get angry then you get upset then you take it out on somebody normally the closest people to you and it just spirals into this negative mindset really yeah yeah and yeah and yeah things can really easily easily spiral um and not not knowing that's what happens or not being able to catch it um it's really hard um for 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 all of us but particularly particularly children who um haven't learned that that's what happens with your thinking processes that things can can spiral really easily um, and uh that's you know the other the other need is, is about attention and that's why it's really important that you know we are we give her that good good enough parenting and if if people around us are our attention and and love because that that is a really important need um and it works both ways right like like we love a hug from our kids sometimes <laughs> but um it, it makes us feel better and it definitely makes them feel better and I I mean yeah, I know you've talked kind of about the brain chemistry and kind of the brain switching off and kind of opening up again but it just releases all those good good hormones um as well and just, absolutely oh yeah definitely and I think that will be the first thing that I will be doing post-pandemic is giving everybody a hug I love a hug we know that and it is it's that actually what is it doing to your mental health when you're missing those kind of vital things and um, touch is really really important um we as a service we have a um an intensive interaction practitioner who looks at um his, his job is so interesting about behavior through communication yeah. um so yep uh, mothers and young children young ladies i mean um do it so it's that kind of um copying their facial expression you know if they raise their eyebrows you raise your eyebrows if they go cuckoo you go cuckoo and it's just about being in the behavior and they've been looking at whether um, provider agencies have kind of positive touch policies they're in the middle of, of researching it but the importance of that 
that physical connection of holding a hand or you know placing an, a hand on somebody's arm or placing a hand on somebody's shoulder you know appropriate consenting gentle touch that you know if we're if we were together in real life and one of us got upset we'd put our arm around each other's shoulder or give each other a hug yeah and it's you know you know that you know it's I think it's really great that actually the the, the government have said you know in care homes you, you're allowed a visitor who can hold your hand because they it's recognizing how yeah. important that touch is yeah. and how we've been we've lost that over the last and I've noticed uh, even with my girls that they yeah. definitely want way I mean Holly's always been a hugger but Anya wants way more hugs now because as you say she's not they're not getting it elsewhere things are changing things are different it's like actually I need that security and I need that touch yeah yeah and um you know there's not not much that can't be fixed by a hug and a cup of tea right absolutely it's, and a chocolate hobnob and a chocolate hobnob <laughs> um, it's together it's that physical touch and it's giving somebody that space to talk and be listened to is what they don't right um yeah and um, yeah i mean i guess as you're saying no matter how young to how old i think what we're realizing is this behavior negative or positive is them trying to communicate to us in some way so i guess what can we do as a parent, as a professional, as someone just listening, if we're seeing those negative behaviours in order to try and get to what they are trying to communicate. I mean, it's probably not as easy as just one technique, but are there particular words that we can say, particular actions we can do to kind of show the people in our lives that we are trying to listen and kind of try and communicate? Um, I think it's about... Um... It, so, so first, if, if there's a particular behaviour that is, is kind of regularly being happening or being kind of set off, it's trying to work out what the triggers might be. Um, and we think about kind of two types of triggers, slow triggers and fast triggers. So fast triggers are something that might have happened just before the behaviour. So, um, uh, so, for example, children are playing um, one child, you know, plays with whichever toy is the favourite at that particular second in time, and the other child snatches it out of their hands because they want to play with it, right? So that there we say, okay, well, you know, it's probably because they were, you know, that, yeah. that child wanted the other toy. The slow triggers are kind of things that build up throughout the day um, and kind of kind of take a little bit of a chip away at you. So going through a global pandemic might we're definitely going to do that um you might be hungry you might be tired you might not have slept well you might have had a, a change in your routine like even at the moment we've kind of got some kind of routine-ish to homeschooling you get up you get you have breakfast you get dressed you do but you do something online <laughs> Where we get to play afterwards so a change to routine kind of things that build up slowly throughout the day and kind of chip away at us um things that stress us out things that we've got to be doing and then it's like a straw that broke the camel's back situation yeah. and then boom something happens and you think my goodness me that happened 
out of the blue. Yeah. Nothing happens out of the blue. You just didn't spot what was going to happen before it did. And that's that's that happens to us all. That's not Absolutely. a but we just we just didn't notice that it was building up, building up, building up because possibly things were building up, building up for us throughout the day as well. So it's about trying to notice what are the stresses throughout the day and what happened just beforehand and trying to work around those things or anticipate those needs. So if people are wanting something, it's okay. Okay, so my child always kind of blows up at four o'clock and they're always, oh, and I've worked out it's because they're hungry because yeah. dinner's five. Okay, so what can I do to anticipate that need? I knew I snack time from four o'clock to half past three. You're yeah. anticipating that need. Um, in in psychology, we in 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 our team we think about something called positive behaviour support. So that's for you know when people have you know particularly difficult behaviours or particularly aggressive behaviours, we think about um, things that happen in people's day that are going to keep them in the green zone and kind of have traffic lights. And that's about people's likes and interests. Um, and communicating pe with people often in slower pace, simpler words, building in routine structures, letting people know what's happening in their day and building in things that people like um, yeah. in every day. Um, so for, for, ad for, for us, that's building in our self-care time, um, yeah. that, that guilt-free, um, sometimes guilt-free uh, as time. And then it's trying to notice when things are starting to wobble um, and moving back into that green zone. So um, if it's you know, if it's an avoidance thing, take, you know, could you take off some of that pressure right now? Does it have to be done right that second? Sometimes it does. Sometimes you do have to cross that, finish crossing the road because there's a car coming. Yeah. You have it's you know, does that phonics worksheet need to be completed right now? Maybe not. Are we putting our own timetable and pressures on things, on, on yeah. other people? We lift that pressure. Precious, and then come back to things um, as well. Um, is what they're asking for reasonable? Yeah. Did they have it? No. Okay. What could they have instead? Yeah. So you can't have the lighter because I don't want you playing with fire, but you can look at whatever else is on that high shelf that looks of, of appeal that's safe enough yeah. to do. So kind of diverting the attention as well. Um, and also, have we, you know, are they asking for some attention? You know, it's really, really blinking hard right now because we are, you know, lots of people are trying to homeschool and work at the same time. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be an hour, but can you have a minute break, all of you, to stop, connect, laugh, hug? Yeah something together to reconnect and rebond you know it can be as simple as if you're if you're all working from home um you come down and have you know i i I'll, um on a monday um my husband and daughter are at home together i come down for my tea break 
and um, make the cup of tea and I'll, I'll take up a snack as well. And I'm just there for, you know, two to five minutes, but I've had that little bit of connection and I can go and, and, and do my notes and <laughs> um, uh, afterwards and, and, it, and it really helps, but it didn't take me much longer than the kettle boiling anyway. Yeah. Um, so trying to build in those moments and, and kind of finding kind of kind of finding a, a pattern and note and trying to step in just before things would stop start to tip over the edge yeah and it, it makes complete sense it's definitely and I think as you say it's about noticing it over a period of time because we're not gonna understand straight away tomorrow what caused that trigger or what caused that tantrum but as you say if we can start building that picture and start noticing that as you say, at half past three, four o'clock, they start to get a bit twitchy. Are they hungry? Or, and we know we've had to move bedtime slightly later because actually what we were noticing is bedtimes that were becoming harder and harder because they weren't actually, because they're not at school as much, because routines have changed. They're not as tired, despite me trying to run them ragged. It obviously wasn't working, but now just giving them... 10 minutes in the room of reading time with the lights on and they feel that they've earned something has made bedtimes so much easier touch wood we're only a week in but actually it's giving them slight more of that control back and I think that's mm. often what it's linked to as well yes yes yeah they want later good. bedtime well they can't have later bedtime but what they have got is 10 minutes reading time. So they're still in there, they're still chilled, but mm. it's something that's for them. Mm. And that's going to really help with kind of their, I mean, one of the other elements is, is sensory. Um, that might be another reason behind behaviour. That wind down, regulation, regulating themselves, kind of learning to kind of wind down before bed. And um, I can see that why that's so, so helpful. Um, um, such a helpful thing to do. Um, no that's fine so I guess bringing that all together then you oh, know that I, remember, I, oh, yeah, you I remember remember what I was going to say sorry okay. <laughs> um I was just thinking if, if people are finding things particularly difficult um we was you're just saying about is you know you're not going to notice it overnight absolutely no way and it, it you know it takes several weeks worth of um data to help me work it out because I'm not I'm not there so we ask for people to write things down and we ask them to write them down in an ABC format A stands for antecedent that's just a very posh word for saying what was happening beforehand the B is the behavior that one's an easy one what did they do what did they do that's making you feel really quite stressed out and then C is the consequence what happened afterwards did you you know all attention is good attention you, you know, like there's no such thing as bad press right so all attention is good attention. Did they get lots of attention? Um, often when they, you know, like my tidy up time think thinking earlier, it, the longer that it takes to tidy up and you're saying, you must help me tidy up. Yeah. And it's prolonging it and, and they're getting more of your attention. Whereas if you just got on with tidying up, then it'd be done quicker and you're not, you're not feeding that behavior as well. But what happened afterwards? Um, it, immediately afterwards and, and a few minutes afterwards as well. And then you okay. can, out those patterns yourself and you kind of 
the process of writing things down kind of gets it out of your head and onto paper so you're not churning it over because lord knows we've got enough to think about at the moment um writing it down you start to notice some patterns and then it kind of gives you some information to be able to think okay now i'm spotting it now i can make those changes and it's it's not usually not massive massive changes that are required it's about just tweaking things here and there throughout the day to attempt in an attempt to make things a little bit smoother um not perfect because that that never happens um but and also for yourself as well <laughs> like lately you explode when did you lose it because none of us want to be shouting mum right um you think Okay, so yeah, I know why I, I was really tired. Um, I was absolutely drained and I wanted to do X, Y, and Z afterwards. So I was kind of feeling the stress of, of time. Or I'm in the middle of making dinner and you know what? I really don't want you, want you touching the raw food and putting your things in your mouth because I don't want you to get sick. Yeah, um, That's why I shouted because I was really worried. That's why, that's where that came from. Um, Absolutely. And I think often, as you say, our behaviours and our communication and our triggers are often linked to our children's. I know that I've talked about it on the podcast before that for me, I'm not ready to start homeschooling first thing on a Thursday and Friday when I do do it. I need to have that time by myself. I need to go for a run before I'm ready to do it. So, yes, homeschooling doesn't start in the house till 10 o'clock. But actually, if it started nine o'clock we'd all be angry so actually it's about working it out and working out what's best for you and as you say finding what's triggering you working it out for you because often it's parallel to what's going on for the children yeah yeah absolutely um and I think it you know the one of the other things we can do is about you know building in that positivity for ourselves as well I, I know you've talked a lot about self-care and, and well-being as well but the importance of building those things in regularly throughout our days, our weeks, um, our months as well. So like like running, um, reading a book, um, going out for a walk, um, going to the toilet on your own, <laughs> um, having a hot cup of tea. Um, you just sometimes need that. It doesn't need to be a, you know, an, a marathon or an hour's soak in the bath, but just to have those moments to just decompress ever so slightly um really? and and I think you know that comes back to one of the things that used to help us so much was seeing each other right there was yes. a huge decompression um definitely and it will happen soon. yes <laughs> cool so thinking about that all of that together then and you know how I end each podcast with what you would like in your pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So what would be in your pot of gold? Other than me, obviously. Other than yourself, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, so I was thinking about this and I was thinking about self-compassion. Um, so self-compassion is that kind of kindness to ourselves, um, thinking about kind of, you know, cutting ourselves a bit of slack, basically, being yeah. kind to ourselves, how we, think about ourselves, how we talk about ourselves um, and and kind of giving ourselves that, that self-compassion so that we can then be compassionate to others. But it, it needs to start with ourselves as well. And that's how we kind of can 
regulate ourselves by being our, in our compassionate um, frame of mind. I love that. Thank you so much for coming. I know I slightly pulled you in, but oh, I um, it. it was really good to chat. And just to let people know, and I guess thinking about the whole self-care part that we've next week got a lady called Perry and she designs her own bath bombs and what they're all about and so yeah i look forward to hearing about that and the self-care with that so thank you very much everyone for listening and i will speak to you all next week take care for now bye bye